Don't try to force it. That's how you get hemorrhoids. This week on Young Nostalgia, what is that thing? Let's take a look. Hello and welcome to another fabulous week of the same old fabulous Young Nostalgia. I'm Nolan, as always. Ben is beside me in the depths of Hemorrhoid Antarctica. We're podcasting <laughs> to you. <laughs> another amazing episode. <laughs> episode 105, kicking off our movie extravaganza where we recommend the movies that the other person hasn't seen, but we truly enjoy. So this week, we're all talking about the 1982 cult classic horror suspense, The Thing, that Ben chose for both of us to enjoy. Me for the first time, Ben for another time. Ben, yeah, how you doing today, I have no guy? idea how many times <laughs> right. I've seen it. It's at least one other time, so. <laughs> right, right, right. How are you doing, my, my, my man? How you doing? That was, that I didn't was know tough. what to call you. Yeah. I didn't know what to call you. <laughs> no, I'm doing okay. It's a good Sunday. Good, good. Sunday here. Done nothing, good. absolutely nothing today besides this. It's the first productive thing I've done all day, so. Uh, well, I mean, it's awesome, though. Like, the, the this... This is the start of every year, you know, for me. Like, every time we hit the record button, it's a new year for me. So, my years are only a week long. <laughs> so, you're actually like, uh, at this point, it's you're about 500 years old? Yeah. My my birthdays usually come on Tuesday evenings around 6.30. But <laughs> you heard that. Send the gifts directly to uh, right. <laughs> Lincoln, Nebraska weekly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You can send birthday wishes to youngnostalgiapod <laughs> at gmail.com. So, no, no, it was good. Overall, uh, this movie was just, it was great. So, it was fun. It was a good watch. Yeah, and I think we'll, uh, we'll it, it should be noted, more. too, that uh, I thought it was kind of funny. Nolan had a nice uh, early morning horror movie this morning. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> la- la- last night was a late night for me. I was just playing some games, chilling. Um, I put in my two weeks for the radio station. So, Oh really? Uh, yeah, it was like the yesterday, last Saturday was my second to last Saturday at the radio station. What's the reasoning behind this? Mainly just because of, uh, the happening. And so my, my hours got cut back quite a bit. So I was only mm. going in Saturday mornings and I've been doing that since March. Gotcha. So I'd work four Saturday mornings, getting up at 5.30 in the morning, getting there, getting things done by 7, and then just answering phones for a radio show later on. It was just kind of taking my to- taking its toll, and uh, it nothing was clearing up anytime soon. So I said, hey, you have my name, you have my number. If you come into a crunch when, and need a, a, like a, a spot filled, let me know. Because, you know, I, I know the systems. I know how to record. I can work a mic for a newscast, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'd be more than happy to come in and fill in every now and then. And whenever it clears back up, give me a call. I'd love to get more hours back that I usually wor- worked. So gotcha. it's it's not completely cutting ties. It's this isn't worth it for me right now. So I'm gotcha. taking a break. So it was more. Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. So like the, the number of hours just weren't worth the hassle. Right, gotcha. right. 
So now I now I can have my Saturday mornings back, uh, walking around butt naked and <laughs> not at a radio station. <laughs> not naked at a radio station, naked at home. Right, right, so. right. I mean, the radio station was nice. I mean, nobody could tell, you know. Yeah, nobody could tell. I mean, that's until my boss came in, but he got used to it, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> that's. I mean, that's that's kind of a bummer uh, that it, it ended up. You know, this whole year has been totally screwed up, and obviously it's screwing up that. Um, oh yeah, and I know you've been involved with radio for quite a while, um, and I always found it pretty interesting because for whatever reason, ever since I was a little kid, I've always wanted to work in radio, and I've you know right. with career paths and stuff, that's just not really a reality uh, for me. And, uh, so that's, that's kind of a bummer that you won't be, hopefully, hopefully an opportunity will open up at some point here later on that, uh, you can get back into it. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll jump on that in a heartbeat. And and it's almost like coupled with the fact of I've been doing it for over two years and it changes so much. And a lot of times the scope of a part-timer's position usually gets, that's the first one to scale down, Mm -hmm. you know, as radio becomes more modernized, more automated, they're obviously going to cut back on a part-timer's kind of job duties. So coupled with that, I felt like I reached my potential at that point where mm-hmm. I wasn't able to learn anything more without them, for one, paying me more, and for two, giving me more hours to make it worth it. So I couldn't really like expand anymore when they're trying to constrict it. So gotcha. plus the lack of hours, there's no way to even grow in the first place. So anyway, right. long story short, I absolutely loved it. It's just goodbye for now. So, yeah. Keyword is for now, though. For now, yes. So I've kind of uh, decided that I'm going to start sitting down and fleshing out some more creative ideas, and I'd like to do some YouTube content potentially. Oh, really? Yes. Very indeed. cool. Uh, yeah. Would this? I'm assuming this would probably be video game related to go along with streaming? Yeah, I, I think video game related and also just kind of like maybe some uh just life stuff but so my streaming is apocalypse angel kind of yeah it'll be like a podcast so i'm 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 thinking about maybe doing like an individualized podcast where i could separate the audio but also have video too Mm -hmm. so maybe like i could play around with that but my my streaming name is apocalypse angel with a zero and the apocalypse and a three at the end of it too instead of the o and the e but i'm thinking that my my videos would be called like apoc after hours or something like that so oh okay maybe doing yeah maybe doing some like reviews on vinyl or reviews on like indie games i don't know just just something to still expand being behind the mic yeah you gotta expand the brand right i would love to have you on man all right set it up let me know right you you just gotta shave that face no hard no <laughs> We're cl- clean, clean shaven YouTube uh, channel. Scruff is life. <laughs> Hashtag. If anyone's looking at me right now, I mean, I've got like <laughs> unkept hair down to my shoulders right now. Just right. scruff. Like I, I shaved everything into a mustache a couple weeks ago, and I've not done anything since. So it's like, right. it's bad. Yeah, his 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 head of hair is as long as my chest hair now. So, and that's saying something. If you don't know <laughs> Nolan. I am a Wookiee. He's full Sasquatch. Yeah, he's a Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh my god, I love it. This is this is just an amazing episode. Should we switch gears and get into episode 105, all about our takes? Let's do it. On- it's been 12 minutes and we haven't talked uh, content. All right, let's do it. Well, not all 12 minutes is technically. Oh, that's fair. We're three minutes in before we started actually the okay. show. Right. All right. Appreciate you guys. Let's get into it. All right, so breaking it down for what just the movie itself is. The Thing is a 1982 American science f- American science fiction horror film directed by John Carpenter based on the 1980, 1938 John W. Campbell Jr. Uh, novel Who Goes There? It tells the story of a group of American researchers in Antarctica who encounter the eponymous Thing, a parasitic extraterrestrial life form that assimilates then imitates other organisms so and it should be noted that there is also a 1951 uh movie titled the thing from outer uh shoot what is the title you are so sure the thing so sure i know i was sure the thing from another world the thing from outer space i think that's a totally different franchise uh, oh, okay. <laughs> the thing from another world, and so 1982's uh, movie, The Thing, is not actually a remake of this movie. It should be noted. That's kind of a misconception. Uh-huh. Um, they like are two based, separate entities. They are two separate entities, although they are based on the same book. But there were a lot of other liberties taken in the earlier version, um, and so 1982's version is actually it's totally different. It's actually more true to the book, and it is not a remake. So. Okay, and I do believe they actually did remake the thing. I believe in 2011. Yes, I think it was kind of a cross between a remake and a sequel. Okay, okay, makes sense. Yeah, but it's like the, the, yeah, it's it, like the same plot arc, but I think it was actually set up as a sequel. Okay, but there's definitely like some modern day adaptation of the thing. But this is this we watched the 1982 version, the so. original the thing. The thing. The All right. Thing. So, the thing. The thing. Yes, that's different. Duh, duh, duh. <laughs> okay. So, how do you want to go about this? Do you want to go your hot takes first, or should we take my hot takes first? Since it was my first time ever, like watching. The I want to hear your takes first, and I think maybe we should not necessarily separate this out into yours and mine. Let's go through yours, and then I'll interject in on top of it and then we'll just build the show okay. from there that's perfect kind of like what we just did with the rocket man yeah we set it up as yours and mine and then it just turned into a mashup and oh right let's just start that <laughs> from the beginning because <laughs> a lot of times we had the same kind of points but just different ideas right all right i'm with you okay so i just want to kick this off and say i love 80s cinema Dude, like there, there is nothing quite like it. I mean, you you can watch an '80s movie and you're like, "That's an '80s movie." Just like, I don't know. I mean, I mean, picking an example that I know that most people can relate with. Take the way that Indiana Jones was filmed, the way it looks, kind of like the kind of camera angles. It's like that. Like the Indiana Jones series is like the pinnacle of like '80s cinema. I feel like you know. You see a lot of the same kind of like film adaptations of of how things looked or the kind of film scenes, I feel like. Oh, you're telling this me. This just kind of reminded you, me of you know, that. Telling, talking to a huge Indiana Jones fan, 
right uh, right here yes you do not have to explain to me the the masterfulness <laughs> of of, Indiana of those Jones. movies <laughs> okay but but you know what i mean like that's 80s cinema and it's mm-hmm. awesome well one of the reasons i i mean i like it just because of based on the cinemat- cinematography as well i really enjoy 80s cinema because it's kind of a it's one of the last eras of cinema that isn't how do i say this especially nicely there isn't a ton of agenda in the movies okay you know what i mean there isn't like especially nowadays but even starting kind of in the 90s there was always things you had to kind of tiptoe around you couldn't really you know it's kind you're kind of a social pariah if you talk about that Mm -hmm. uh, this certain thing or you know there's undertones in the film of kind of pushing pushing an agenda of whatever the director or the producers want um and it seems like the 80s kind of was the 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 last bit of cinema before all that started happening so i think it's kind of a it's just a a pure more pure landscape for movies in general does that make sense yeah no absolutely i get that i get that and and kind of like the the movie itself even opens up with i feel like a lot of times in 80s cinema it was very popular to have like a far away shot of a vehicle or city or something important but the but the the camera isn't stable mm-hmm. it kind of moves a little bit so in the beginning of the thing it's like you're at this far away spot of where the camera is watching this helicopter fly through the snow mountains of Antarctica yeah. like that kind of thing was just like nothing really set the tone but it made you start to think like what's going on you know there was no dialogue no nothing but this helicopter and then you kind of see different shots of it at different angles and you find out it's chasing this dog and right you're like okay well what's going on but yeah and not only just that wide shot that's that's kind of setting up a tone of the movie it's i'll go a little bit farther and say there's more to it than that it, it's there's this wide shot i know rough was it like a 10 minute sequence roughly would you say? I'd say give or take. Yeah, yeah maybe, maybe between minutes. like, yeah. And uh, there's also, there's no dialogue. Uh, this is after all the pre-roll credits. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing distracting the viewer at all from what's currently happening on the film. And I think there was even very minimal background music. I think it might have been just background sound effects and that might have been it. A little and bit, yeah. it's already setting up a conflict going on. You know, helicopter is chasing the dog. We don't know why a helicopter starts trying to kill, kill the dog. We don't know why. And then there's, there's this conflict like that's already there, but none of it has been explained and it doesn't really explain it until fairly deep into the beginnings of the film too. So there's already Mm -hmm. this kind of uneasiness that's already set up. Oh yeah. Things don't start picking up until at least after the half hour mark. Right. So, and, and, and just to be full disclosure, like these notes are going to spoil this movie. Oh, so spoiler if, alert, like crazy. The entire show. Right. If, 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 if you have seen the thing, stick with us. Or if you have not seen the thing, but intend to check out last episode, but <laughs> I don't know what to say, but you know, if, if, if you don't mind stick with us, if you just enjoy listening to us, just don't tune in, but have us on in the background. We appreciate you. Yeah. Well, so anyway, well, why not just uh, pause us, go watch it right. and then come right. back and come and back. Email your thoughts. Just come back. Yes. Young nostalgia pod at gmail.com. Ben, you're amazing. My friend. So it's hard. I, to, I don't it's mean hard to, to deal with this level of genius, you know, right. Right. <laughs> I, <laughs> 
you are the reason I'm I am who who I am today. <laughs> no one like I don't know. It was a it was a huge pivotal moment in my life when we lived together. Like I literally became a genius. <laughs> I would, I, it could go either way. I was either a very good influence or a very bad influence. Verdict still out. I'm not sure which one. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, I don't mean to backpedal a little bit and like correct you, but you said like the opening credits wasn't didn't happen before the scene of the helicopter, but that's not true. I noted that where well, the opening credits actually happened while there was uh, an overview of the planet, and I was talking about who's in it whose film it was and then it actually had the title the thing so that's what stuck out with me too with like 80s cinema was big on like pre-roll credits were big thing and the title of the movie came out before the the movie actually started you know like you'll right. see the but yeah. the like the dog chase and stuff like that happened like that was still before like the helicopter dog chase though right or is that afterwards the what the the thing over the planet yeah the pre-roll credits oh that, that was before. That before, was the first okay. thing ever. Because the movie opened, you're over in space, and then you see this space shuttle come through, and then it's like the thing. Okay. Well, that, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, I, I guess I, I, mean, I might have been a little bit wrong on the, the exact timing of it, but my <laughs> the initial point was there was nothing going on during that chase, like no distractions right. to, the, to the viewer. Right. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail you. Because cause, <laughs> cause this, <point laughs> this point was just saying that opening credits was a big thing. Mm-hmm. Because nowadays you just don't see that it gets straight into things. Action is almost going off right away, and then usually by the end of the movie they're like the Avengers at the end, and then they do all their credits. Right. So. All right. I appreciate you. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway. <laughs> no, all right. Let's... No. <laughs> okay. So moving on. Um, we taught. We we skimmed music a little bit. So music was a big thing for me in this movie, and I drew a lot of parallels. The music of like that kind of suspense, thriller feeling started immediately as the movie started. Um, so the suspense movie music actually had similarities to Jaws and Halloween, to me, where the music was very simple, kind of dark in tone. It was like doo 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 like that kind of a thing and it was very prominent whenever like the thing like or something with the thing was about to happen Mm -hmm. so that's what made me think a lot about like jaws and halloween because whenever michael myers was around or the shark was around that theme started playing and you knew that something bad was around or about to happen and in this movie i feel like did a very good job of of using that kind of tone no, definitely did. Uh, that's one of the things that I wrote down as well. Um, that the scoring of this movie was super ultra simple, very minimalistic, but mm-hmm. still was super powerful at the same time. I mean, it basically had that same kind of baseline that would just kind of repeat over and over and over again. And I think it had a very, very, if I'm remembering right, it had a very slight melody behind it. Uh, yep. Um, but but other than that, it was extremely simple. They used it over and over again for various different dramatic effect. Right, and they and they even kind of had uh, the kind of small space suspense as like the high notes that kind of came through at certain times. Mm-hmm. Like if they're inside, a lot of times that those high note violin strings or something like that really caught your caught your ear and you were like, I don't feel good about this. Yeah, it kind of had that nails on a chalkboard kind of just mm-hmm. unsettlingness to it. Um, 
Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, for something that that's one of the things I picked up early on and 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 noticed was how simple it was, but you know, how something so simple could have such a big effect. Um, right. You know, <laughs> I'm sure uh I wonder I wonder if Emily is familiar with this movie. Maybe we'll get a, a detailed analysis oh my gosh uh in the inbox yes. here in the next week i would absolutely love that and you know <laughs> if she's listening and i know there's a lot of people listening that just enjoy music mm-hmm. uh with creative forms in any case whether it be video games or movies so it it was kind of it was composed by john Carpenter himself as well as a neo maricone yes the, yeah and so. it's uh one of the things i read too is that uh John Carpenter actually is is known for scoring his own movies. Really, um, I had no and idea. He also, but for this particular one, I guess they were on kind of a time crunch, and he had to bring in uh, what, what was his name again? A Neo Maricone. Yes, and so he had to bring in a Neo. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we need like a sound bit for that. Yeah, well, yeah. Can we go to like Google Google uh, Translate and have it like pronounce it for us? Right. Um, but. Uh, and he actually brought him in uh, to do the scoring just because of the the time frame. And I think you know, that was looking back on it, obviously hindsight being twenty twenty. That's obviously a genius move because it turned out great. Absolutely, yeah, it's it's cool, especially having multiple uh, amazing musical minds on the piece for a movie. I feel like helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. That's good stuff. So yes, I thought the 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 music was spot on, and it wasn't it it wasn't off key. To the point that it was too much, you know. Sometimes with like suspense thrillers, like you said, a lot of times they could be predictable. Mm-hmm. The I don't even know how to describe it, but the the music was enough to put you on edge, but not expect anything. Right, if that makes sense. Yeah, so. it didn't have you necessarily predicting. Like you don't know what's around every corner. You don't know what's going to happen next. It was just enough to make you feel uneasy um, and kind of right. suspecting that something would happen, but just not sure. And it wasn't distracting, right. distracting either. That's a big thing. Right. And, and something that like, I feel like this is a good point to kind of bring up with the music is that a big thing, a part of this movie that really made me enjoy it so much is that as much as the thing is the enemy, it was almost like each character was their own worst enemy. Yes. How, so 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 the thing what it does is that it consumes other beings whether it be like a dog or whether it be a human and then it transforms the, into them imitates them to like the exact t so the music was used for the thing but it was also used in the sense of like everyone's going crazy because they each think that the other person is the thing yeah and that's what made me love this movie so much is that it's not just an enemy and then everyone else it's like literally everyone's everyone could be it yeah and i that's i'm glad you brought that up because that's one of my key we you know as always you talked about it a little bit before the show and that's (laughs) my key uh appreciation for this movie is that it's the psychological part of it And, and it's i'm not I'm not a horror movie fan, really. I'm not a slasher, scary movie fan. And it's not, I, I don't have a problem with gore. I don't have a problem with, you know, the scary, creepy stuff. I, I do like it, but I really, really enjoy the psychological stuff. And that's, this movie, yeah. it was billed as a slasher kind of horror movie. But I would say it definitely has a, it's just as much a psychological thriller 
type movie, which I really, really enjoy. Something that makes you think and might hurt hurts your brain a little bit when you're watching it. Um, <laughs> watching, you know, watching the characters kind of descend into their own darkness a little bit. Exactly. Um, I really enjoy. Uh, and that's something that this movie pretty much is all about. There's there's the paranoia. There's not knowing who to trust. There's, uh, you know, almost an element of self-doubt in the people as well, because, you mm-hmm. know, there's a there's an element of you were talking about how the monster or how the alien uh, imitates other people. It not only will it consume a being and then replicate that being, there's also an element of infection as well uh, that we right. saw several times. Um, the whether whether it's a a contact or ingestion or anything like that, you know the smallest single little cells of this organism, if it got into you, it would almost kind of grow inside of you and almost consume the individual from the inside out, right? And then right. kind of manifest is... itself as a new being. And so there was an element of not knowing who to trust, but also kind of not trusting yourself either, not knowing if yourself is slowly being converted over into this entity. Right. And and, and this was just a whole underlying theme the whole time. It's crazy how good they implemented this. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, kind of taking a couple steps back, I mean, music's going to be a huge theme throughout a lot of my notes, but check this out. I, oh crap! I can't remember the name that Emily used, but whatever the whatever the amazing, awesome, very technical term is, where you know real life music, like music that's on like Billboard top forty or whatever, mm-hmm. is put into movies. So music that like the listener or like the viewer hears, as well as the characters in oh, the movie itself. You yeah, know what I'm talking about? It's not an overlay. It's not designed as an overlaid music. It's correct. Mu- music that you're hearing that the characters are also hearing. Yes. Correct. Yeah. So so this really caught my ear and just my thinking uh, it could, towards the beginning of the movie. So anyway, to recap a little bit, this dog gets saved from the Norwegian camp of Antarctica because they were chasing it down. It gets saved by the American camp, right? So now the American camp has this husky in their in their area. So the husky's kind of just lurking, roaming around uh, freely in their base of operations or whatever. So you always know something's kind of off with whatever this dog is. And then there's a whole scene where Superstition by Stevie Wonder is playing while the dog is walking around. And if you just take that out of context of like Superstition playing and this dog walking around and nothing feels right. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. That gives you superstitious feelings. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> this dog is something else. And I just thought it was a crazy, weird foreshadowing kind of a thing. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I I definitely was... That was way over my head at that point in the movie. Um, oh, really? And I wasn't even thinking about that. You know what my very first thing was when I heard uh, uh, Superstition playing? Oh, this is a really good song. Oh, yeah, besides that. <laughs> um, but my very first thought was our conversation on the last show about who there should be a new biopic about. And my first thought was like, holy oh, crap, Stevie Wonder would be perfect. Stevie v wonder yeah that that's a good one (laughs) that was not even kidding that was my very first thought and it consumed me for like the next five minutes of the movie like that's all i thought about i'm like wow that would be a really good biopic (laughs) that's that's awesome i like it i like it um that's good but yeah no that was a great catch on that uh 
about that, you know, being tied into the the uneasiness because, you know, we see this dog roaming around and and it hadn't really got to the point yet where there was even any setup of a monster at all. Right. But they just kept showing this dog walking around and, you know, there was obviously something going on. There was going to something that was going to happen, something involving the dog. We don't know what it is, but as much as they were showing it just plodding along, there's got to be something got to be something up here. Right. Absolutely. So I thought that was very, very interesting. So then if we fast forward just a little bit, they were like, okay, put this dog back at the kennel with all the other dogs. No need to be roaming around, right? So this is when you kind of get the first glimpse of whatever this thing is. So this dog was actually possessed and was the alien and it infiltrated the American camp after the Norwegian camp. So a little bit going on here is that... um, they noticed that they traveled to the Norwegian camp and it was all on fire, devastated, and they had no idea what happened. Um, so then it cuts and then you see this dog transform into this alien. Like literally its head gets ripped out and like tentacles start flying. And I was like creeped out. I was like not ready for it. And it's crazy. But a part of me that like got me so into it was that the effects, but the puppet like it looked so real and they did such a good job. Like that's another thing I loved about uh, 80s cinema too was that nothing was computerized. This was all puppet work for the alien, for the blood, for the for the tentacles, for the movement. They did such a good job and it just creeped the crap out of me. Yeah, and it's it that was the whole special effects of this were fantastic and they John Carpenter had actually talked about how he worked really, really hard to not have to, quote, you know, use a man in a costume. Okay. Um, you wanted a monster that was that was not just a lumbering creature walking around. Obviously, a man just kind of plodding along in a costume. He wanted nothing to do with any of that. So they had to right. go into super in-depth detail on these puppet creations um, to the point where... Like I, I guess when he was first first talking to the special effects guy about what he wanted to do for this movie, the special effects guy's like, I have no idea how I'm gonna pull any of this off. <laughs> right, um, right. And uh obviously he it worked out great and and you know, going along with that talking about special effects in general, uh they went as far to uh use a double amputee actually for one of the scenes. Um, no way. Rather than have any sort of prosthesis that make the the body kind of look awkward, kind of hidden, uh, I don't know if you remember the scene where uh, I believe they were about to start an autopsy on one of the guys, and he goes to reach his arms into it. Oh, wait, oh, into a chest cavity, into his body oh my- cavity, and then oh, man. turns out that that guy was one of the creatures, oh. and he bit his arms off. That guy, when he pulled his <laughs> arms out. That whole scene was filmed with a uh, an individual who had lost both arms at the elbow from an industrial accident. And they actually, it was better special effects to give him makeup to look like the real actor than it was to put prosthesis on the real actor. No way. And so that guy actually had, he didn't have arms below the elbow and everything after that was prosthesis rather than just trying to make his hands look 
you know, goofy. That's freaking crazy. Yeah. Because, I mean, I so my notes kind of just went in the order of watching the movie, right, from mm-hmm. beginning to end. But those in my notes, um, so kind of to set the scene of what was happening was uh, this guy, I think, became unconscious because he was outside in Antarctica or something happened. So they were bringing him in and they were trying to bring him back to life with like a defibrillator. Yes. So they're, so they're trying to put a defibrillator on him and they try a couple times and then on that like one of the last tries he goes in to put the defibrillator on and this just mouth opens up out of this guy's chest chest cavity and he falls in and it closes on his arms and just rips him out and holy crap i was freaking out (laughs) like literally freaking out in my chair i was like blown away i was blown away i was creeped out it was one of those things that you would get up and you would just like, oh my God. Like, yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, I, I was just engrossed by the movie. Like I said, everything with the psychological stuff, like they lay the psychological stuff so thick on this movie that you're so engrossed by it because, okay, the thing that makes this movie so awesome for me is that a lot of times I feel like nowadays it's hard to buy into 80s cinema because it's easy to be disconnected because it's dated, right? Like the special effects just aren't there. If you're not a fan of it, it's easy to be like, oh, this doesn't look good. So what I really appreciate about this movie is that the psychological thing was almost a bigger part than what the monster was. Oh yeah. So be so because I'm so engrossed in the psychological things of it is that when the special effects really get pulled off and something happens with the monster, you're freaked out because you're not just numb to it because it happens the whole movie. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. It almost catches you off guard because the premise of right. like you said, the premise of the movie is more about the mental decline of the characters and less about the actual monster. Um, right. And then when they actually do so show something like that, it catches you so off guard. Um, right. And, you know, you talking about why, you know, the guy, that's what I remember. It wasn't an autopsy. They were trying to revive him. Um, that's what I was talking about with the infection aspect of it, because it, uh, he hadn't been outside. That was several scenes before that. It had showed him he was obviously not doing so hot. Oh, uh, okay, he was okay. sick. There was something wrong with him. And it was still. The way they portrayed it, it was still him, and he was his his health was overall health was declining. It kind of it looked like it, it was his stomach or maybe his chest, like he was kind of going through like a heart attack or something like that at several points. Um, and then he eventually passes out, and that's when they were trying to revive him. Okay, um, makes sense. And that they were, you know, you don't find out till the end, but they're basically it was showing the progress of the creature taking him over. Interesting. Okay, because I was I, for some reason I didn't catch it. I didn't. I didn't catch how that evolved over time. But mm-hmm. okay, that that's crazy. But yes. So to to kind of go into a little bit more of the psychological things, I think this is where my notes kind of touched on that. So the first realization of what the thing is and how it changes and consumes um, is also like a part of you know, maybe a little bit of like the uh, cheesiness of this movie. <laughs> so Blair, he was like the like the doctor on base, you know, kind of the scientific guy, did the autopsies on the alien bodies, right. that kind of thing. So he was the first one to discover and realize what this thing is and what it did. So 
what it, what happened is that there was actually a computer rendition of like how this <laughs> alien takes over cells, right? And so it leaves it to the viewer to be like, okay, so this is what this thing is. But there's no way that a computer in 1982 could do that. No, no possible way. Maybe they could have come up with like computer models. Well, okay, not computer models. I guess it would be a statistical model at this point in time. Uh, right. There'd be no graphical readout for exactly what they were wanting it to do. Um, right. But that would have been like the work of 1980s supercomputer. Oh, yeah. You know? In, in, oh, yeah. In in this particular movie, he was looking at uh, a graphical animation of cells taking over a host body, um, getting detailed... Uh, calculations on how long it takes, how long it's going to take to affect the human population, uh, doing all of this in a matter of what appeared to be hours, um, all from a 1980s personal computer. Yeah, in Antarctica. That probably didn't have like the high-tech things because it's probably just hard to get them there. (laughs) But, But it was even like a probability computer, like you were saying. Like it was so... Blair, the doctor, is kind of the tipping point of the psychological part because he was the one, the first one to break and the first one to kind of reveal the news of what this thing is to everybody. And then everybody started thinking like, oh, who is infected? Who is it? You know, could Mm -hmm. be anybody. But the computer said, this is how long it takes to fully consume the host. And over so many days... 75% of the world's population is going to be consumed by this alien. So that's what broke Blair. But I was like, there's no way a computer is going to be able to calculate that (laughs) to a T. Right. Uh, Yeah, I did pick up. I didn't necessarily... uh, I never really paid attention to that before. But definitely when I watched this, I was putting it together like this hold on here this isn't <laughs> this isn't making sense and right. it, it's and there was part of something in that scene that made me think as well uh it talked about it was that scene and then directly after it when they actually confronted blair uh like when they they basically held him prisoner in the tool shed right um that I noticed that there wasn't a great explanation on time frame in this movie. As in what was happening? Yes. Like when they cut scenes or anything like that, there seemed like every once in a while there'd be a a cut in scenes that it seemed like quite a bit of time has passed that they didn't necessarily account for. Okay. Um, They, at one point in time, they had talked about there had been, they like, inferred that there was like it's been two weeks since the dog had gotten there oh i didn't catch that um and also they 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 made it part of the the blair scene that i was thinking about was they made it they didn't expressly state how long blair had been doing this research for you know in in the movie it was a matter of 15 minutes right but in looking at like they're reading through his notes uh, they were looking at right. Um, looking at part of part of the data he was collecting from this probability computer. Uh, there was certain key 
time frames it talked about how long it would take for the dog to assimilate something else when it was it was really longer than they had really accounted for in the movie and so some of it was a little bit hard to distinguish what was happening back to back to back and what kind of time frame there was between scenes another one was when uh, okay they're looking for Blair in the tool shed and they found out that he had dug this tunnel underneath um, and had begun building this like spaceship um, that we can that I was my thought process on it what I got from the movie was that he had slowly been converted into one of the uh, uh, creatures via infection and he had constructed this spaceship to try to leave because it was very very similar in uh, in exterior uh, I don't know how, even know how to describe it. It, w- it was very like a scaled down version of the main spaceship that they showed earlier uh, in the beginning. And so it was, I was kind of able to put together that it was this alien was trying to build it basically from memory to try to escape. Um, right. That's interesting. And, but they I, also, I did not know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was able to put together from it, but that's not a quick two hours worth of work. You know what I mean? Right. And right. so looking excluding that, you could infer that the whole period of events that were leading all through that was, I don't know, maybe a day and a half. Uh-huh. But when they finally showed his work, I mean, just digging that tunnel, um, putting all that work into that spaceship, he had carted all kinds of tools down there. Now we're looking at more like a week, a week and a half kind of thing. Right. And which which would add into the whole psychological part because it's not like immediate that you start turning on each other right no exactly i mean it's basically just building up over time Um, right and so that was kind of a thing that i I was thinking about throughout the whole movie too is what is the actual time frame of all this it could have it could have taken place over a couple days or it could have taken place over six months they made it hard to tell right and I, i i get you now i get you now i get you now that makes sense. I feel like that was a really long-winded trying to explain my point, but I think I finally no, got there. I get it. I get it. Like <laughs> especially after I'm sure after subsequent rewatches, I'll get there and I'll and I'll see that for sure. And um, all right, so we'll move on a little bit. Puppets, great music, great psychological suspense, amazing. This movie rocks. Um, so. Another thing that kind of like brought brought to head the psychologicalness of this movie was the blood test that Mac did at the end of the movie. So pretty much they started having revelations about this creature is in a basic form a creature that is going to try to protect itself when it faces harm. So what they did is that they actually took pools of blood of everyone still alive and they tested it against a... Uh, scorching hot wire so if your blood was infected it would try to escape danger of the wire mm-hmm. so the thought he goes process around being he, that even a small part of the the alien is like a sentient being that is trying to avoid harm. right 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 and i thought this was like so awesome and it was so intense because the whole time that this test was going through there was no music everyone was in the same room Everyone except for Mac was tied up 
and they went one by one down the line to see who's infected. Mm-hmm. And it was so crazy to see all of this come to a head because Mac has dynamite strapped to his strapped to his te- uh, chest with a flamethrower pack on and just aiming at everybody. Everyone thinks Mac's a traitor. Everyone doesn't believe anybody. And the fact that there's no music, I feel like is is just like cinema gold here and i think this is this is the point where i decided that i officially really like this movie <laughs> yeah i mean you know that that's an interesting point because this kind of shows how you know music can really set the mood for the movie itself it can create the suspense it can create the the uneasiness but also having absolutely no music dead silence can do the same thing right um and obviously you have to have a balance between the two um but I don't know. I, I definitely agree that having having nothing in the background of this was just as effective. Absolutely. Cause th- this is like the the live or die kind of moment. Right, exactly. I mean this is really what they're really when they're they're gonna find out exactly who's who. Right. Right. And, and it's crazy because like this test was brought up earlier but I think things kind of escalated with the monster itself. Like I think the defibrillator scene happened where they're like, well, we should take everyone's blood, test it, see if they're infected. But things kind of like one thing led to another and they just never had the opportunity to do that. Then they all turned on Mac because they just thought that he was weird or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but they never actually did it until Mac was like, I'm over this. It's time to really prove it once and for all. So Right, and he did, he was kind of forced into a position of authority, um, right, and, and and that's really the only way he knew how to deal with it. Uh, this is kind of a point that I wanted to bring up before. That the so it's fairly early on in the movie when they realized that even just a small part of this alien could take over a host. Um. Any little, basically one cell could, you know, infect somebody. That being said, it seemed like they were awfully reckless with the leftover fluids and stuff from even the monsters that they killed. I see what you're saying. Um, Yeah. Because basically, the the closer you get to the end of the movie, the more the characters are realizing that we're not going to make it out of this. All we have to do is make sure that none of this monster survives and it won't infect Mm -hmm. the human population. So they were going after the monster itself, but they weren't really that concerned with things left over from the monster. Like the blood scene is what you were when you were what reminded me of this when they they. uh, I believe it was when they were testing windows, windows blood, I think. I think I think so. Um it jumped out of the pan and he turned into a monster and started freaking out, but it jumped out of the pan and the blood was basically just running across the floor trying to escape. And they pretty much let it escape. Right. Um, which obviously that's a huge problem. Uh, you know, even if they, they ended up killing the, the, the individual monster that was windows, but, that blood is going somewhere. It's going to regroup and infect somebody else. Uh, just like, um, just like when any other monster they caught, they burned it. That was the best way of destroying this entity. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
that being said, I, I noticed that never did they leave the monster to burn all the way out. They catch it on fire and then put it out like two minutes later. You know, definitely right. not long enough to be destroying all the cells and everything. And they also left, you know, it was spraying goo everywhere. Um, and they didn't right. clean any of that up. They didn't burn any of the, the bodily fluids from the creatures, uh, right. which is definitely a huge problem if they're trying to eradicate it. Right. And and that's the thing, too, where this whole movie does a good job psychosocially being like this thing is it's it's so small that it's too big. You know what I mean? Like it's too big to like literally get rid of it because it's so small it could be everywhere. Yeah, I mean it could there could be small pieces of it laying in hiding throughout the entire region basically. And obviously you know that the the cold doesn't affect it cuz it had been living in the uh-huh. ice for what they say a uh, 100,000 years. Um, right. Right. So, you know, even it, if you burn the place to the ground and it all just goes away, it's still going to be living if it is thawed back out. So, yeah, that was a, right. a big issue that I saw. Um, I could see that, you know, even with, you know, at, at towards the end of the movie, when they talk about, well, you know, we, we think we, they destroyed everything. Uh, they had to destroy it. Even though the characters are going to die, um, they killed the monster. I'm like, I would reckon <laughs> to say that you probably didn't. Right. Right. And, and then even look at this. So we know the, we know the outcome of only two camps, right? Mm-hmm. We know the Norwegian outcome and we know the American outcome. How many other camps are on Antarctica that could potentially be infected and spreading the thing? Exactly. Maybe it, it went crazy. They, obviously, the no, no, the American camp ended up pretty much the same way that the Norwegian camp ended up, right. and it still escaped. Right. Crazy. All right. My last couple of points here as we round out the episode is another parallel to another big kind of suspense movie, Jaws. So the last scene the monster gets blown up by a piece of dynamite getting like thrown into its mouth. And the main character, Mac played um, RJ McCready. They could just call him Mac played by Kurt Russell. He just says F you too, because the monster like screams in his face or whatever like that. Um, And it reminded me of the last scene in Jaws where uh, they're out uh, on top of the boat and it's like starting to sink. And then he just says, smile, you son of a bitch with like the Mm -hmm. thing, like the, uh, oxygen tank in its mouth, right? So it's just kind of like interesting parallels because the thing did come like release after Jaws, and they're both very like big, disgusting, crazy monsters that have caused chaos, and then the quote unquote end of them are kind of very similar. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think they're as. Many unique things that this movie has, it definitely, you know, there are the same horror movie aspects to it that we see. We see like that, that kind of the, the, that climax of the movie catchphrase that they have. Right. Um, right. Obviously we talked about the music, how it was kind of reminiscent of other movies. Um, Very, you know, that minimalistic repeating kind of, kind of sound. Um, So there definitely is a pattern here. You know, a, a you know this type of psychological movie. There's there's a pattern that a lot of directors follow, and obviously it works. Right. Um, oh yeah. Right. Right. Because right. they turn out the formula into, into great movies. Absolutely. So I but but the thing that I think sets this movie apart, especially with a lot of the older suspense horror movies that I've watched to this point in my life, is that 
the movie just ends. Yes. There's two people left. There's two people left. The monster gets blown up with a piece of dynamite, but the movie ends with the same suspense theme still playing. That minimalistic do-do-do-do-do-do kind of sound. Mm-hmm. That's where the ending credits come in, and they're just sitting there in a pile of rubble and debris, yep. and they're like, well, now what? And then the movie just ends. And I'm like, what? What? It's crazy. And it, like, it just leaves you to your own devices where it's like, maybe you buy into this whole big conspiracy that we're all aliens. We're all the thing now. Because that was 1982. By this point, we're all infected. It's a thing. <laughs> right. And that's that was one of the key things that I wanted to talk about today was the ending of the movie. It seems like I'm sure anyone who's any movie buff is going to be able to correct me here on this because I would by no means call myself a movie buff. But it seems like it's relatively infrequent that a movie has such an ambiguous ending. Either the good guys lose or the good guys win. You know, and in this one, we're just we're not sure. It kind of ends where everyone dies. Uh, maybe the monster is dead. Maybe it's not. Uh, maybe the world is saved. Maybe the world is doomed. We don't know. Yep. And what they chose to end the movie on is kind of, it was between Mac and Childs, who had already had a ton of conflict throughout the whole movie. Right. Um. Uh, especially now that, that, obviously the movie's kind of centered around Mac, but and child child has been gone for quite a while uh right which that's right obviously mac was thinking okay well this is very high likelihood that childs is now one of the monsters but he doesn't know because you know, he childs has a had a pretty good excuse for why he wasn't around um right. so we basically that that scene where they're both sitting there trying you know asking each other well what do we do now and the movie just kind of ends with the music and they're sharing a bottle of whiskey um getting ready to essentially freeze to death um basically it's ended with both guys not knowing who the other one really is but also accepting that at the same time exactly what are you going to do about it like they basically they, they kind of took that distrust and were able to just kind of put it aside because it didn't really matter at that point right if they were both human awesome still gonna die one's human one's monster also doesn't matter human dies monster lives or if they're both monster then it's a moot point right you know right right and that oh gosh and that that gripped me too mm-hmm. whereas like i mean i already loved the movie by this point but it's it's like it's frustrating, but it's not frustrating. It's frustrating in a good way because you know damn well that they did that deliberately. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's like, oh, my God. So good. Well, it, just, it, it literally made me speechless. A little uh, insider knowledge on this, actually. John Carpenter did that scene in on purpose for that exact effect. Right. But... He was so unsure of it at the time. They actually filmed a complete alternate ending. <gasps> no way. Uh, really? Where Mac ended up, every, everything was destroyed, everything was burned. Mac made it out. 
uh, and eventually tested po- tested negative, uh, and he was free and clear, um, and basically oh. wrapped it up with a nice bow, wrapped up the whole movie, um, and okay. ended up, you know, on the final cut, watched it both ways, um, and ended up deciding that he was going to stick with the original ending. Oh, that's um, awesome. Which I think is a, one of the defining moments of the movie, and I'm really glad that it, it stayed that way, because a movie like this, with this much psychological conflict, it needs to also end on conflict right absolutely absolutely and and like we discussed a little bit off mic but let's talk a little bit here while we wrap up this episode which is quite long but (laughs) we've just been running long just because we've got a lot to talk about um but all in all i really liked this movie it was great you've seen it multiple times but and and i want to watch it again but I want to watch this movie again with somebody that's never seen it before and enjoy it with their first ever reactions throughout the whole movie. Because I can only imagine if you are you and I were sitting on a couch together, you watching it for the hundredth time, me watching it for the first time, you would get so much enjoyment out of that. Yes, I'm sure. I'm I agree. Sure and I think this is a perfect scenario for at Kyle. Yes. <laughs> Let's get Kyle. Come on. Um, but yes, I agree. This is, and it, and it's honestly a movie that you need to watch a couple times to pick up on everything. Um, absolutely. There's, there's aspects of one, uh, one thing that I noticed, I'm not trying to make the show go super long here, but an aspect that I noticed was there was some characters that were acting kind of shifty before they even knew about the monster. Okay. Uh, Clark was always kind of an oddball. Yeah. Um, you know, the other pilot, the, the, what the heck was his name? He was kind of a, a goofy guy, kind of a hippie Ooh, guy. I know what you're talking about. He, he had like the cut off denim jacket. Yeah. Kind of guy. Yeah. Um, he was a little bit shifty even in the very beginning. And, you know, there was already kind of conflict set up. And obviously those guys were, were kind of first to be accused. Um, right. And so, but that's not some, that's something that I picked up on a second watch through that I wouldn't necessarily have picked up on a first watch through, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. But I watched it this past time, you know, like I said, before the monster was even introduced, okay, these guys are already acting a little funny. Right. Um, What exactly is going on here? And, And it makes you, we could, oh, we could end the podcast on this note. It makes you wonder that the reason everything got so blown out of proportion was that the alien made a mistake. And they're like, oh, cat's out of the bag now. Like, like it, what if it was actually silently infecting everybody already? Yes. And then something happened in the Norwegian camp and it screwed up its disguise. Yeah, basically it, it had its cover blown. Right. And so then all shit hit the fan and here's a movie. Oh, so. no, I was definitely thinking about that as well. Um, you know, this whole time, maybe it had been spreading all over the place until it made one critical error. And once it's discovered now, there's really no hiding. Um, right. and you pretty much, it pretty much has to annihilate everything. Right. Crazy. Uh, and we kind of saw that, you know, it's with its sabotaging of the generator. Uh, they talked about it in the movie, how it wants to, it wants everyone else to die so it can go back to sleep for another hundred thousand years. Right, right. Crazy. Yeah, love it. All right, man. 
our haphazard notes all over the place. Hopefully you're able to follow us. <laughs> and if you enjoy the movie, hopefully this kind of enhanced uh, your take on it. If you, well, I guess at this point you're at the end of the episode, but <laughs> if you haven't seen the thing, watch the thing. It's a great movie. Hot take. I'll give it a nine out of 10. What do you got? I would say I'd give it a, I'd give it a nine out of 10 too. I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoy the psychological movies. Right. It's so good. It's so good. Um, all right. I think that wraps it up. So next week, the movie is Interstellar, if I remember correctly. Yes, you are correct. Interstellar. We'll be talking about Interstellar. This is a movie that I've thoroughly enjoyed, watched it a few times. Ben will be watching it for the very first time, and we'll discuss our hot takes on that as well. Uh, give us an email if you enjoy what you're hearing. If you're enjoying these kind of segments that Ben and I are doing, let us know. Email us at youngnostalgiapod at gmail.com. Give us your thoughts, your hot takes on The Thing, as well as any other movie that you could potentially want to have us talk about. Let us know. Again, that's youngnostalgiapod at gmail.com. Thanks so much for sticking with us and listening to the all over the place notes about the thing episode 105. If you like what you're hearing, you can find us on your favorite podcast apps, Google play stitcher, Apple podcasts. We're out there. Give us a review. We would love to hear from you. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Ben, anything else, big guy? No, I thought it was super fun show. I'm really digging this kind of, uh, short series that we're doing i think this is something we could revisit later on uh super fun i've already got several movies ideas for another list here coming up that's awesome i'm gonna have to keep on coming up with curveballs i'll have to be like oh it's this actor and then you're like oh for sure it's this movie but (laughs) no it's just a it's a different movie with this actor (laughs) yeah i think i definitely could come up with a few of those as well oh absolutely i love it man thank you so much for sticking with us We appreciate you, as we always say, here on Young Nostalgia. Keep the bottles empty and the ashtrays full. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.